Um, it's Mother's Day and my mommy's here, so I have to be careful what I'm saying. Okay, because otherwise I'll get the look. You know, you mums in the, audio, in the church here will understand what I mean by the look. Because your mums can give you, or you might remember your mums giving you the look. Mums are, mums are wonderful, aren't they? And mums are, are very special. So yes, they are going to be part of what I'm going to be um, hoping to, to talk about um, this morning. Claire, a few uh, years ago, gave me a box. Uh, it's a lovely little silver box that's on my dressing table. And on the top of it's inscribed, um, sometimes when I open my mouth, my mother comes out. And you do morph into your, into your mother. I don't know if you've come up with the phrase that I shall never say that to my kids, and you do, or I'll never say that to anybody, and you do, you morph into your mom. And I remember a few years ago, I said to Stephen, um, I'd had a conversation with my mum on the phone, and I said, oh, if I get like grandma, shoot me. Sorry, mum. And he said to me, I'll get the gun, you're there already. I have no, no, nowhere to go. But a mother is, I looked up, because as you do, when you know you're going to speak, you sit there thinking, what on earth have I got to say? And it's not what I've got to say, it's what God wants to say to us uh, this morning. Um, so I googled, um, why did God create mothers? And it come up with, a mother is someone who is selfless, loving, caring, a giver who gives everything in her life to make her children a good human being. A mother ensures her child is competent with abilities, knowledge, skills to make the world a better place. Isn't that lovely? And that's, that's what mums are. But what does the Bible tell us about mums? Well, um, I want to, there's lots of mums in the Bible, lots of ladies in the Bible that we can come to. And I just want to have a look at three mums um, from the Bible this morning. Probably the first mom you might think of uh, is probably Mary. She was a very special mom, wasn't she? Because she brought our Saviour into this world. And I just picture Mary with baby Jesus in her arms. And the enormity of that, that this was the Saviour of the world. I wonder if she realised all that he was and who he was as she looked into his tiny baby face. She probably realised what his job was going to be, because he was God's promise. She might not have realised how it was going to come to fruition and how he would have to suffer and she'd have to watch him die on the cross. She probably didn't realise all of that at that time, which is probably a, a good thing. Um, but it's just amazing that our Saviour came from heaven as a tiny, helpless little baby, and Mary was cradling him and it's just, it's just mind-blowing when we think about Mary and her love and her devotion to God to, to bring up and nurture baby Jesus. She was a brave woman, and she found favour with God, and she was obedient to God's plan. And it's wonderful that God often uses the ordinary. She was just an ordinary young girl um, of a very... She had to come from a certain line of, of descendants, but she, in, typically she was just an ordinary girl. And we're thankful that God used her to bring our Saviour into this world. So she was a very, very special mom. A, another mom we might think of are the very first mom who came into the world, and that would be Eve. She didn't have a mom or a dad. 
she came into the world without that. And she had a bit of a, a rough time. And we know that she fell to the cunning of the devil and she ate the forbidden fruit. But uh, in Genesis 2 verse 18, it says this, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And God made Eve in his likeness, just as he'd made Adam. So we see that God has a feminine side as well as a masculine side. God is both a loving mother and a loving father. I'm afraid Eve was deceived, wasn't she, by the serpent, by his cunning, and she strayed from um, what she should be. It says, Paul tells us about Eve. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, 3, Paul says this, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that's just a warning to us not to be deceived as Eve was and to follow Christ and his teaching. But Eve was the mother of humankind. She was the first woman, the first wife, and she was made by God in his reflection, as I said. And together, Adam and Eve were to fulfill God's purpose and to look after the Garden of Eden. But of course, it all went wrong. You see, the serpent came and spoke to Eve, and she lost perspective. She lost sight of all that she had in that garden. We've had quite a few messages on sight just lately over the last few weeks, haven't we? And they've really spoken to me, and I thank the people who have brought those messages to us. But Eve lost sight. She'd got all this wonderful garden, and it must have been absolutely amazing. And she lost sight of all that and looked at what she hadn't got. And very often we can be like that. We can look at what we haven't got rather than what we have got. And Paul was warning us not to be deceived by Satan and to be looking at all the negatives and all the things we haven't got. And she ate of the forbidden fruit. She wanted that knowledge of good and evil. And that was her downfall and the downfall of mankind, of humankind. But nothing was hidden from God. He knew. He sees all things. And he knows when we fall from the route that he wants to take us when we have thoughts of looking at and seeing the things wrongly. And it's also interesting that she lost sight of, of, of what she'd got and wanted something she hadn't got. We'd got God who could see all things but then when God came, she tried to blame, they tried to blame one another, didn't they? Eve tried to blame Adam and Adam tried to blame Eve. Reminded me so much of my kids when they were little. I used to say to my children, if you tell the truth, you won't get told off quite so much. Didn't we, love? Yeah. If you tell the truth, you won't get into so much trouble. So I'd got some quite expensive perfume that my, my grandparents had bought from a trip they'd done to Australia. And I went upstairs, and there was a the smell of this perfume. The bottle had been knocked over, and the perfume was everywhere. And I didn't know which one of them had done it, Claire or Stephen. So I gave them the quiz, and they knew that if they owned up, they wouldn't get into much trouble. 
So Stephen owned up to it and said that it was him that had done it, uh, etc. So a suitable punishment was dealt out. A few years later, when they were a bit more grown up, I found that Claire had really done it, but she convinced her younger brother to admit to it because then they wouldn't get into so much trouble. She's a clever so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> so kids like to blame one another, don't they? Uh, and, and we are no different, and we see that in the Bible there. So we've got Mary, and we've got Eve. The next woman I was, I was looking through my Bible and having, having a read up on was a, a lady who you might not all remember her name, but as soon as I say it, some of you all realise, was Jochebed. And Jochebed was the mother of, of Moses. And uh, Jochebed had two children, Jed Aaron and Miriam. And then she became pregnant with her third child. And um, at that time, uh, in Egypt, uh, any Israelite woman that had a boy baby, the boy babies were being killed, as you can remember. And she had a boy. And she obviously didn't want him to be killed. No one would want that. And um, she had to hide him, and she hid him for three months. And usually when a baby's born, it's a really joyous occasion. You want everybody to know about it. But she had to keep it really quiet. And trying to keep a, a baby quiet for three months must have been quite a difficult task in the house so that no one knew that this baby had been born and that he was a boy because she was trying to keep him safe from being killed. And it got to a stage where she couldn't, they couldn't keep it quiet anymore. He was three months old and they, they'd got to do something. So she did a very unusual thing. She got a basket and she lined it and she put the baby in it. And she put the baby uh, in the river in the middle of the bulrushes. And Miriam, who was Moses' sister, stood watch. I'm sure we've all heard the story many times before, and I know I've told it in Sunday school many times. And Miriam watched to see what would happen. And then Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, comes to bathe in the river, notices the basket, opens the basket and sees the baby there. Oh, cute little baby. And it's a boy. And the story goes that obviously she takes the baby as hers uh, on board to look after the baby because she thinks this baby's so cute. Babies are, aren't they? And um, Miriam's watching and says, do you, do you need someone to look after this baby? Do you need a nurse for this baby? Uh, I can find one for you. And she goes and finds a nurse for the baby and it's Jochebed. <laughs> Isn't God amazing? He not only keeps Moses safe, because he got a big job for Moses, as we know, but he even is faithful to Jochebed, that she gets her son to be safe, and she gets to look after her own son. And she gets paid for it as well. <laughs> How amazing is that? Because we know us moms, we, yeah, it's a thank, yeah, it's a wageless job. <laughs> um, and I think that's God amazing. He's, he gives over and above what we expect sometimes. And I think that's a really wonderful story um, of God's faithfulness to her and her faithfulness to God. And, and there's another mom I want to look at now. And, and that's Sarah. And, and Sarah, when in the Bible, we read about her in the Old Testament. And she had a different name. She was um, 
Sarai, or whatever you say it, and her name meant princess in Hebrew, and God changed her name. But God spoke to Abraham and said that he would um, make him a father of many nations, and in which case Sarah would be a mother of many nations. And Sarah was getting on in years and couldn't have any children. And um, she tried to take things into her own hands. And very often we will pray for things for a long time. And we try to take things into our own hands, don't we? And do it for God. I don't know if you've ever done that. But sometimes I'm not very patient when God answers my prayers with wait. I like it when he says yes. don't like it when he says no. And I'm not very patient when he says wait. And... Um, as we know, she gave her um, servants to Abraham in order to have children. But um, God says, no, Sarah, you're going to have a child. And she laughed. She laughed at the idea that God could do such an impossible thing, that she was old in years. And God's answer to her was, is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's hold on to that this morning. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer to that is no. We sometimes lose sight of that, that God can do the impossible and the difficult. And even though Sarah thought this is, you know, never going to happen, this is totally impossible, God knew it was possible. God could make it happen. Sometimes we pray for things a lot. I'm very thankful this morning for, for Pam. I'd like to mention her because she was like a mom to a lot of us. In fact, when we were younger, our moms used to complain that we were around there and saw more of her than we saw of, of our own mothers. And um, I know um, Pam prayed for um, the people of this church, the children of this church. And... <clears throat> Some of us have got children that we are. Excuse me. Praying that God will. Um, will be with them. And I know Pam, Pam prayed for, for my children. And I know that we pray for her children. And for many years, we've prayed for, for Marcus, as we call him, um, and we pray for, for Jane, and um, that they will come back to the Lord. And it was lovely this week, um, because very often you take things, as I to her this morning, you take things into your own hands, don't you? That when you're praying for something, you try to make that happen. And sometimes God wants you to leave it alone, to let go and let God and that's important. And, and this week, we had an encouragement because um, Howard went out for lunch with, with Marcus. And he, um, it was actually Mark that um, found Howard, uh, or texted, they texted each other because their birthdays were both in the same week. And it was Mark that texted Howard and, and asked him out for lunch. Uh, we didn't have to push that. And, and that was really good that that, um, that, that connection uh, was made. 
uh, and Mark was um, asking about things when they used to play in the band together and asking for the, the calliotype and stuff of the band that they used to play together in. So that, that was really encouraging to us um, that we hadn't asked Mark out, but Mark had asked, asked Howard out. And that was a bit of an encouragement for the, for the prayers that are there for, for them and for, for the family. Um, but, yeah, nothing's too hard for the Lord. No matter how difficult a thing we may face, we need to trust God that he will keep his promises in our life, that he is faithful. So Mary stepped out in faith and she was bold. And she was part of God's humble plan. Eve, she had a choice. We have choices. God did not make us robots. We have a choice whether we want to follow him or not. And we must remember that God sees everything. Jochebed had to put it into God's hands and let go. She had to let go of her baby and leave her baby there, not knowing what would happen. And sometimes that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to let go and let God. Sarah reminds us that nothing is too hard or impossible for God. Unfortunately, we were not able to include the video that Carol is about to refer to here. In this video, the children at the church shared answers to questions about their mothers. Some of those questions today were, uh, where do you like your mum to take you? What's your mum good at? What message have you got for mum? I don't know what those messages would be for, for your moms today, but uh, you're going to indulge me for a few minutes because I'd like, where did I like mom to take me? Well, when I was little, she used to take me to her sister's, my auntie Mavis's. Um, but my mom's very good at bribery. And she used to say to me, it was a long way on the two or three buses we used to have to catch and take us a long time to get there. And she used to con us into doing the housework We'd each have a different room to do. She'd con us into doing the housework. When we'd done the housework, then we could get on the bus to go to Auntie Mavis's. And I used to like to go over, over there and play with my cousins. Um, so it was a way of mum getting us to do various chores. Pretty cunning. Um, but what's your mum good at? There's my mum. A few years ago. Um, uh, there she is. And what's your mum good at? My mum is very, very good at sewing. And she has made and the most amazing and a huge number of wedding dresses and bridesmaids dresses were her pièce de résistance type of thing. And she's made loads of them. Go on then. There you go. There's, she made my wedding dress. She made my brother's wife's, not my brother's wedding dress, my brother's wife's wedding dress and bridesmaids dresses. There's just some examples of them. My dress was special because I just drew a picture of it and she made it, bless her. And she made my bridesmaids' dresses and the page boys' trousers and the lot. Oh. Hmm? Oh, I made the tie. Yeah, my, that was my bit to the, <laughs> to the thing. So she's, she's really gifted and talented when it comes to sewing. So that's what my mom um, is good at. Oh, there you go. Uh, as you know, I used to do a lot of dancing. And there I am with some world champion... Um, Dancer, the guy that's there. Um, and she made my ballroom dresses. 
and she made them by hand. She hadn't even got a sewing machine back in the day. And she would stitch every stitch and every layer of net by hand. Not that I was always very grateful of it, because I'd very often complain about this wasn't right or that wasn't right or what have you. But I am very thankful now, looking back on, on those times when she, she even gave up coming to see um, Bambi. Oh, and Tommy Steele, who's her favourite. She gave up coming to see Bambi Disney cartoon with me and my brother because she was busy sewing a, sewing a dress. And she'd be up all night um, stitching for me um, and what have you. So that's what my mum my is, is good at. And um, what message do I have for my mum? Thank you, love you. <laughs> um, we don't say that to each other very often in our family. <laughs> so those, those are the questions. But let's, what if we ask those of Jesus today? Where do you like Jesus to take you? What is Jesus good at? And what would you like to say to Jesus? Is church the first thing you'd think of is where you like Jesus to take you or work or a prayer time? Think of those very special times, those one-on-ones you've had with Jesus. And we all like our mum's attention, don't we, and the one-on-ones with our mums. I like to go out for lunch now with mum and have a one-on-one um, with her. And it's wonderful. And God loves those one-on-ones with us, those special times that Jesus takes us into a special time of worship, a special time of just being with him. And how wonderful that is. What is Jesus good at? I'm sorry, it's 10 to 12 now. And if you want me to carry on from now till whenever, then we could think about what Jesus is good at. But what has Jesus done? that is good for you in your life. We know that he saw us. It tells us in Psalm 139, he saw us even before we were formed. We know he knows how many hairs you've got on your head or how many few hairs you've got on your head, as my husband would probably say. Um, He knows every little detail about us, of what we think and what we feel. And he's really good at that. He's really good at doing wonderful miracles. He's really good at taking care of us. He's really good at mothering us. He's really good at giving us those sort of imaginable cuddles that Jesus gives us through his word. You've all probably got a special word that you can think of in the Bible, a special verse that's special to you, and that's your, your go-to verse. Um, sometimes I've got, I've got go-to songs that make me feel relaxed. I've got go-to places that particular beaches or forests or mountain areas where you can go at sort of in your mind's eye and remember those places and those special times with God. And God is good at providing just what we need at the right time in his timing and in his way. What has God done for you that you've perhaps forgotten some of the good things that he's done? God is good, because it tells us in the Bible many times, and we're going to go through some Bible verses now. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. No one is good but one, that is God. Our God is a good God. Every good gift 
and every perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That he is our rock, he is our constant. And very often our moms are that, aren't they? Our moms are our, have, been, have been in our lives as our rock, our constant. You know that mommy's always there, even if you ring her at two or three in the morning that sometimes my kids have done. Although when my son's had a drink, he generally phones up at three in the morning and goes, I love you, mom. <laughs> Um, but God is our constant. There's no shadow of turning. He is fixed, our fixed point of reference. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He wants to give us good things, just as we want our children to have what is good and what is right and what's good for them. Sometimes, as kids, we don't always think that the things we're being given are good for us. But God knows that even the bad things work out together for good. Um, it says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Do you know, we have to taste it. We have to experience Jesus for ourselves. I cannot experience Jesus for you. I cannot experience Jesus for my kids. You have to do that for yourself. You cannot experience Jesus just because you have parents that love Jesus or a partner that loves Jesus that you need to know Jesus and have that personal relationship with him yourself. And that tells us if we taste and see the Lord. Now, we can't taste a piece of food unless you put it in your mouth. You can't experience Jesus unless you have a relationship with him. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Thankful that we have a merciful God who is willing to forgive us. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Those are some wonderful messages and some wonderful words in our Bible where God is speaking to us. He's spoken to me through those. I hope he blessed you through those because our God is good. And our God is good because he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. And mums love their children no matter what. We might not always like them. I can think of times when I haven't liked some of the kids. My, things my kids have done. But I, you always love them no matter what. And God tells us that He's good to us because he loves us. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. But you, O Lord, are a God of merciful and gracious, there's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love is a, is a sure love, something that is firmly fixed, 
So his love for us is not going to fall out of love with us. It's firmly fixed. Now, therefore, the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. To a thousand generations, I do love that, to a thousand generations that God's not just loving us. He's loving our kids, 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 kids. Some of you are here are great-grandmas. And, it, it, you know, you worry enough about your kids, but then when you've got grandchildren, it becomes even more of a worry. And I'm sure when you've got great-grandchildren, it becomes even more of a worry for them. But God is faithful to a thousand generations, and we can thank him for that. Give thanks to God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I like it that he's slow to anger, because sometimes he must get fairly desperate with me and, and be thinking, what on earth are you doing, Carol, or why are you doing that? Um, but he doesn't get angry, um, because he is a good God. The last question was, and I know time's getting on, but I just want to do this. The last question was, what would you like to say to your mom? What would you like to say to Jesus? If Jesus was here, well, he is here because he lives in us, and he says where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. So our Jesus is here today. What is it that you want to say to him? Because just as our moms love us to say thank you, just as our moms love us to say I love you, Jesus loves to hear those words too. And whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the umpteenth time, let's just express to Jesus now quietly what it is we would say to him if he were here.